In this industry, protecting your business starts with protecting your employees. And that's especially important when they're behind the wheel. Motor vehicle crashes are the number one cause of workplace fatalities in Texas, but there are steps you can take to keep your drivers safe. And step one is contacting Texas Mutual Insurance Company. They created the Texas Green Industry Safety Group specifically for businesses like yours. And they can help you train your drivers to buckle up, slow down, avoid distractions, and stay alert on the road. Plus, as a safety group member, you'll save an average of 12% on your workers' comp premium and have the chance to earn an extra dividend every year. If safety and savings sound good to you, get started today by talking to your agent or visiting texasmutual.com slash texasgreenindustry. Welcome to the Green Report, brought to you by the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. I'm Paul Winsky, your host today. I am the program specialist uh, for the green industry with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. The Green Report will bring you current information on the industry, highlight businesses and current research that can help your company be successful in the green industry. Today, I'd like to introduce or welcome uh, John Leifester, who is with Dedicated Landscape Solutions in San Antonio, Texas. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for having me. Well, I am glad that you were here. Um, so let's let's just jump into uh, you know a few questions, a uh, little bit of dialogue here, John. Um, your company is dedicated landscape solutions. We mentioned you're located in San Antonio. Um, what what is the focus of your your company? And you know, just a little bit of background about yourself and and the company that you uh, run. Perfect. Yeah. No. Uh, dedicated landscape solutions started in 2014. Prior to that, I worked for a large family-owned company in San Antonio since 06. Uh, so I've been in the industry. I am a uh, arborist by trade, but with that old company, I learned maintenance, I learned holiday decor, operations, management, sales, and marketing, and in 14, started Dedicated Landscape Solutions. Uh, my wife and I uh, works with me here. She does our marketing. Uh, we're a family-owned company that specializes in commercial construction and high-end referral residential. Okay, great. Um, so you mentioned you, you started in 2014. What was sort of, what what gave you the impetus or the push to, to decide to, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and, and start my own company, start my own business? You know, um, corporate. So we were a family owned company at the old company and uh, they, uh, we made a decision to sell and we were like national, like more market reach, more sales opportunities, you know, as a young individual in the green industry at the time, I'm thinking, okay, long-term goals here. Um, I come from a family that was 30 years plus in their industries. So a generation that worked and stayed with companies throughout. And so I thought, saw a great opportunity. Um, from north, up north in, in, in Illinois area, and uh, they don't have the same kind of corporate culture that we had or what, what works here in Texas. And I think in Texas, we're very much a, a your word is your bond, relationships are people and people do business with people, not companies. Okay. And so um, I kind of had seen the writing on the walls of it's not a good fit. And I said, you know what, I've got to handle my customers and following through, you know, even if it means that you're going to lose money, but keeping your word, um, 
and, and that was a that was the the writing on the wall transactional thing where we were at fault we did something um an irrigation team didn't turn on an irrigation we lost a couple pounds of grass mm-hmm. a couple hundred dollars but it's the right thing to do so um, when they wouldn't cover that i kind of saw that's not where i wanted to be i didn't want to um every client of mine it was it was my word and so um i said you know what i think i'm gonna go out on my own and i i did some research and i went to a financial advisor for about two months and did some classes because I wanted to make sure that I knew I, I could sell ice to Eskimos and, and uh, catch a popsicle <laughs> with lady white gloves, but did I really know how to run a business and what it meant to to look at, you know, EBITDA and cost of goods sold and, and all the things that go into it, your inputs. And after that two months of, of working with that financial advisor, he said, I think you're ready. And so I made the jump and, and uh, it was scary, but yeah, I did. And, <laughs> uh, so here we are, and um, I thank the good Lord every single day that, you know, I stretch myself. You know, being uncomfortable is okay. Well, that, that, that that's a great attitude, and, and I think that a lot of times uh, people that start their own businesses, they, they realize that, um, you, you know, it's not a good fit where they're at, and um, a lot of them have that motivation and drive uh, to want to go ahead and do it on their own, and um, – uh, usually they're the ones that are successful because they, they they've got that motivation um, w- w- which is great to hear so so John how many employees do you have uh, with your company now so we run about 31 guys, 31 okay. guys. Um, and it's it's a mix it's a blend and I say guys even my subcontractors that I have that do some work for us our masons um, they're our employees like we treat them like family we're a big right. family owned and we're very big on family so knowing people i can't tell you how many quinceaneras births <laughs> birthdays and unfortunately funerals that we've been throughout the years but um we've got two and now i've got a gentleman who's um third generation of working with their family the grandfather started working with me at the old company and then the son started working with us and they were there and now here we are and now i've got uh, an 18 year old that comes to work in the summers with us that has been working with us a couple of years um, in the summers that's third generation in. And I, I look at my wife and I smile. I can't help but smile, but think, you know, we got to be doing something right, you know. That's but awesome. They are, they are family to us. And, um, you know, we are very big on, on I can't do it alone. You know, if, if there's, there's no way I could be in all the places I need to be in and still give back to what I want to do um entrepreneurially and 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 volunteer wise to to do that without a good team in place that's awesome that's awesome so it's great to hear how you um you know even before you made the jump you you took the time of uh sort of understanding the business side of things because uh, i I worked (laughs) for a large grower at one time and um, the, the sort of the, the thought was growing the plants was the easy part. It was having to deal with the, um, the people and the issues and, and things like that. Um, that, that's always the challenge. So it, it's really good to hear that, um, you, you took the time to, to, to sort of learn the business side of things. Do, do you think that was probably your biggest, um, I guess at the time weakness in making the decision to start your own business 
I, I think it's one thing that I did lose a little bit of sleep about that, like, in your gut, you know, like, I always tell people we try to manage to our strengths, right? But right. at the end of the day, you're going to be put in those uncomfortable situations. And so the only way to be comfortable with it is to be educated on it. And um, growing that that knowledge base was important to me. We I ran divisions. You know, I ran – I was in charge of the tree care division, and I ran the maintenance division – and then ran sales on our holiday decor and help with marketing at the old company. So I had experience looking at a uh, uh, microculture and, and running that business as if it were my own. Um, also, one of the volunteer organizations that I am involved with, uh, San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, I'm going to give a plug for them. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> they they have been my February family for, for numerous years, but um, we had a, a, a CEO come in, Cody uh, Davenport, our, our CEO, and he was very much about owning and running your committee like a business, understanding your costs and how they all add up to, at the end of the day, whatever we profit goes to those kids in Texas to develop the youth of Texas. And so that's been ingrained in my mind. And so understanding going and putting one foot forward was I'd be doing myself a disservice if I did not try and grasp that knowledge of all the intricacies that I could see in a business, just not what I've been introduced to. Okay, great. So, uh, John, you've been in the industry a while. What kind of trends are you seeing now from th this sector of the industry? Um, are you seeing, you know, we, we talk about houses, um, maybe their footprints aren't as large as they used to be, smaller landscape and things like that, but you know, what type of trends are you seeing that you're having to, to work with or, or deal with that you haven't seen maybe in the last, you know, three to five years? Um, on the commercial side, everything is blowing and going. You know, even when COVID hit, we thought that we were going to take a dramatic slowdown. We were very concerned in the industry. I remember having some conference calls with the board and different committees about what what to expect, but we kind of Construction-wise, we kept moving. Everything, progress was moving forward, you know, different things. But on the residential side, what we're seeing is a little bit more, we deal with a lot of educated clientele, and they're just looking at things a lot harder now. Um, disposable incomes are, are there. This is old money, as we call it, um, established. But we're still seeing them be more... Um, questioning about where this money is going to be spent and do I really need that or can I get by with something else and so we're starting to see we do these large-scale designs and there might be some VE that we have to do or value engineering that goes on to say okay we don't need um, the water features at the end of the, the the garden we can do with one water feature instead of two or um, this rock I know I want this rock but I can get this rock at a different I'd rather go with that rock so Textures and things like that, we're starting to see them become a little bit more, and I don't want to say opinionated, but selective. Okay. And and how about, so um, do you do your own designs, or are you taking designs from someone else and then uh, executing the plan? Well, we have both, honestly. Okay. So, um, I was self-taught. I worked with, again, we had multiple divisions at the old company and um, got involved and I went through and got my TCLP. I've been one of those people that loves education and growing that way. And when I got my certified landscape professional, where well, I pushed the design teams to get it there at the company, and I learned through that process. So 
on the residential side, we will do some of our design work ourselves, like myself, um, which I love. Like, I've got books from from different people here. I've got my <laughs> Best of Texas, uh, my old Best of Texas right here. There you go. Uh, so I, I love that part because it allows me to tap into that artistic side of seeing the plant and seeing it to fruition. And my wife says that to take a flat piece of land that's just raw and to see the vision and build in my head when I'm on site to put it on paper and then have it come out what I want. She says has been really interesting for her to watch me because I look like I'm just a cowpoke. Like if y'all can see me, cowboy <laughs> hat, drive a truck. But when people go, he designs, it's, it's like one of those um, oxymorons when, when they see it. But we also work with a lot of architects throughout, throughout um, working on their designs on the commercial side. Um, and, they're great. We're starting to see um, different choices, plants, irrigation-wise. We're, we're, we're having to become creative on things. Okay. Now, in your designs, um, are, are you constantly looking for um, new types of plant material or new plant material? Um, how do you decide, hey, I'm going to – there's this new shrub, and I'm going to work it into the landscape. Um, how do you go about d deciding – you know, I haven't worked with this before, but I'm starting to see it in a landscape. How, how do you make that decision as to introducing maybe a, uh, some new plant material that maybe you haven't worked with in the past? Well, what I like to do is I always like to ask my vendors and my brokers, my wholesalers or re-wholesalers, okay. um, what do you all have coming out? What are you all experimenting with? You know, the big things for us is water consumption. How are they doing? Drought tolerance is big. For us but also we want color we want something that's just not going to be monotone green we yeah. want flowering things because at the end of the day our clients want aesthetically pleasing landscapes so um we do that and then taking tours and visiting with nurseries and and also just listening to, to different avenues podcasts um uh, texas aggie horticulture seeing what they're working with uh, I look forward to Facebook Fridays with them and, and seeing what's coming out. You know, that's one of those things that I see in the afternoons on Friday. So um, just a little bit of different varied results, but I enjoy seeing what people are putting out there. Awesome. Okay. Now, um, with some of your designs and, and installations and things like that, I know back in 2020 with COVID, people were jumping more into you know growing their own veggies and things like that so are you seeing that people are are wanting um more edibles say worked into their landscape on the residential side um are, are you seeing more you know are, are they asking for that more than maybe they had in past probably so for my business no i'm not seeing that okay. uh, i've seen a couple of people um, want to dabble so we kind of carve out a space for them to do their own um, but I do see other people and I visit with the industry and I do hear that you know there are are more of an uptick of people wanting to continue that trend now that we're out of COVID back into COVID whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um, but it, it is neat to see people wanting to do that and bring more exposure to our industry okay and and so you know you, you you worked your way up through the ranks working uh, with various companies and things like that. What What's the best piece of advice that you think you've received um, when you were starting out and, and getting your feet wet in the industry? 
The best piece of advice that I have learned in this industry is to learn from everyone. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of good mentors, and I think my leadership style is a blend from everybody that's worked above me, the good and the bad, learning what not to do, taking the nuggets of gold from them. But yeah, being being that, that person that just learned from them. Everybody has something to bring to the table. I don't care if they're the CEO of a power, you know, Inc. 5000 company or if they are the janitor. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody has a story and you can learn something from someone. Awesome. And so, you know, what do you think, John, differentiates um, dedicated landscape solutions maybe from your competitors? I think we we manage it where we've had growth, but it's 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 sustained growth. And so having that touch of being there, um, we always say we're a communication-based landscapes company. In this day and age, uh, people are texting, emails, rapid communication, instant gratification. Right. And so that that kind of separates us because you text me, I'm going to answer. Um, uh, you call me, we're going to try and get back to you as soon as we can. Emails go out, getting back and following up with people on things. That's where we kind of excel more um, on that route. I always tell my clients, you can call me day or night. You can also text me. If I can't answer, I see a text. I will definitely get back to you ASAP. So. Yeah, yeah I, I think in this day and age, the, you know, we talk about a communication is always a challenge, um, but you know, we've got plenty of tools now that we should be able to stay in touch and and on the industry side, being able to work with your customers and your clientele and maybe, you know, having them uh, sort of that comfort to know that if I've got a question or an issue, you they know that you're only a text away or a phone call away and, and you're going to get back to them. Absolutely. And, and being there, showing up, you know, I love mm-hmm. to check on my crews and spend time each day with those crews. I can't do it all the time. But every week I want to visit with a crew for at least an hour on a project and let my employees know that I'm there, but also let the client know that they're still they're still that directly yeah, to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that helps with your integrity, not only with your employees, but with your customers then. Um, knowing that you, you still have your hand in it and you're um you're there visible. Um that goes a long way. That goes a long way with your credibility. So that's that that's a really good practice. Um um to have in place so so sort of what motivates you john um day to day um I, i'm sure you, you're going you're you're you know probably maybe a million different ways at a time but what is it that gets you when you get up in the morning get you going and um get you looking forward to uh, that day at work um we go by here me and my wife have this the same we call it servant entrepreneurial leadership where we want to be service servants to others and help others and so it goes back to what we're doing with our company day to day it goes back to what uh, organizations we're involved with um is being a good steward of what we've been given and so that's what motivates me every single day is to pay it forward um i would not be where i'm at today if people didn't give me a hand up not a handout but a hand up along the way and so that everything I do now is kind of centered on that bringing up the next people and helping them and even our employees teaching the difference you know when when you get to know your employees and you spend that time with them 
you see where they struggle and you want to help them as well. So whether it's teaching them about a, a checking account or insurance or what a, a 401k is, or, hey, I'm trying to buy a house. How can I help you? Oh, here's what you need to look for. I've, I know someone over in the industry that can counsel you on this. Those kinds of things, just being a good steward and being present with those people. That's what and, motivates me every day. Yeah, that, 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 that that's really good because there's a, a lot of things that, um, you know, we, we might take for granted that you knew about and, you know, someone helped you at one point. And so being able to give back to that that person um, is, is is always a, a plus. So that's a that's a great motivation. That's really a great motivation. So it, you mentioned about, you know, giving a hand up or helping that next person within the industry and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your role with TNLA. So you, you're currently on the board of directors. Yes, and um, so what are some of the things that you are getting involved with um, now that you're on the board? Oh, well, I I love the board. The board is a great group of people. Um, we are working. I, I handle our youth initiatives. So um, working with different horticulture programs throughout the state, universities throughout the state, working um, kind of have this like three three point method of. We've got to get kids involved, and so how do we get them involved? We make horticulture fun, and who doesn't love free money? So we love having horticulture contests like the Landscape Challenge, um, the Rodeo. We brought that to San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. We give a scholarship growing that. Um, take 10 teams in February and have them compete for $12,000, and um, then Jayla Fry there with yes. Master Gardener. Yep did theirs for 4-H Roundup, and uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of her and, and the work she did to get that kicked off and the team that was behind that to, to make that happen. So, Wendy, my, my, my voice is a judge there. Um, but also we have a curriculum that we're working on with TNLA that we've rolled out. Uh, it was an uphill battle for many, many years of getting our, our, our certifications recognized by the state of Texas um, to be taught in high schools, and there was a need for it. And it's like legislation, it takes time, but we were able to put the right people in the right positions to to get the state to allow us to roll out, have two of our certifications become recognized as an industry-based certification for schools. And so now, uh, along with uh, Jim Alsup, a retired ag teacher from Decatur, and Christy Long, uh, a adjunct professor at uh, ACC, We've been doing our, our summer's tour, as we call it, where we visited 4-H, FFA, uh, Ag Teachers uh, Conference, and told them about telling them what's out there and telling them that we have these industry-based uh, certifications that they can go. We've written the curriculum for them. Uh, we've done the PowerPoint, the lesson plans. So if they're not strong in, in horticulture, we've set them up for success with this with this curriculum. Uh, big shout out to, to Texas A&M and Texas State for helping us with those curriculums. Uh, but we're rolling that out. And then again, once we have these kids, we're telling them, here are all the programs for horticulture in the state of Texas. Go forth and prosper. And working working with uh, the different universities to understand, okay, here's the students. This is what we need in the industry. Um, send them back out to us after they get done and staying involved, having the tailgates meeting the horticulture clubs um told sarah i said I'll, I'll give you two years and kind of 
we do our, our tour and I go to Dallas and I'll go to West Texas and I'll go to the Valley and out to College Station and all the universities in between East Texas as well um, to let them know that we're, we're still there and that we, we care about horticulture as an association and that we need them to help bring up these kids. And so likewise with our members, we want them to get involved uh, with local FFA chapters, 4-H groups, and help them start learning about horticulture to mentor them to get them in the industry. Because if you look at it, it's horticulture is not as sexy as being a pro athlete. But when you see at a Region 1 meeting that 95% of the guys drive up in $80,000 trucks, <laughs> yeah, like, there's money in our industry. We put the green in green industry. Yeah. Um, so it, it's my passion to get these kids involved and get them interested in what we're doing because there's a great career for it. Um, I've seen numerous kids and families put put children through college and and a leg up on society doing what we do. And so we're just not guys that just mow grass, two chucks in a truck. We are. We are designers, we're architects, we're um, problem solvers, we're accountants, we're marketing specialists, everything. And, and and I think, you know, it's great that you're especially talking to the high school teachers and things like that, because I, I don't think they realize, you know, STEM is the big, or, or STEAM, depending on the school district, is, is the big uh, catch catchphrase now. And I don't think they realize how much technology and science and on the landscape design side art really comes into this industry and so i i think being able for them to make that connection is is also a plus because it it all falls into this industry and so it's it, it's great to hear that you're getting out there and and talking uh to those uh groups um do you get a chance to talk to the students or is it more to the teachers I tell you what, the FFA convention and 4-H were a blast talking to these kids. The passion that some of them already have for it. Um, Jayla invited me last year to Birdville ISD for their Battle of the Blooms contest. And to walk into a gymnasium and there's 400 kids competing in floriculture, my mind was blown. These kids are so smart and um, what they're doing and, and how they're being cultivated, you know, <clears throat> the green industry term is great. These teachers that are involved in 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 this leg of agriculture, um, it's 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 great to see. And even for those teachers that don't have it, um, once we hook them and get them started to talk about what we can offer, um, it's night and day. Like we were noticing at the the Hank teachers conference where they had us was kind of we're facing a wall on an end row and. People would come by and they just pass us by and finally said, okay, we're going to have to work for this. Right. And so we became the, the carny, you know, we had to hook them. Like, hey, don't <laughs> walk by me, get over here, let's talk. You want some free money for your kids? We've got scholarships. And once they sat and talked to us, they're like, we've been looking for this for, for years. Where has this been? And we were like, we're here now. Um, so we're trying to capitalize on that and 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 move forward with with anything we can do to to bring more more light on our industry awesome that that that, that that's really good um, because we we need that pipeline i know it's it's one of those um uh as you progress in your career you start to to look at that it's like all right now what can i do to help to give back to help 
bring these these kids along. Um, and yeah. it, it's odd to be saying that, but you know, you, you start to blink of an eye. You've been in the industry for 25, 30 years, and you know, you're you're. It, it's time to help that next group along uh, because it's been a good industry. I, I'm I mean, for myself, I've I grew up in the city. I was not in the industry, um, but um, you know, it's one of those. I was in scouts. I like being outdoors. Went to an ag high school and made the connection and been in it ever since. So, you know, it's one of those. Everybody's got a different story as to how they they got into the industry. So, that that's great with the outreach. Absolutely. There, there's. Uh, I think for years we kind of had done ourselves a disjustice um, because of talking wage rate and Charlie Hall and the studies he's done has helped progress us a little bit and and letting people know like. I know Amy and I love to market this, but you know we're the third largest ag commodity in the state of Texas, behind cattle and cotton. You know exactly. we're a big presence, but no one. I mean, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So let's be that squeaky wheel and let people know that we're here. This is a serious industry, and and there's futures for kids in it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, have you get had a chance uh, as you're talking with these students? What type of advice do you give them? um if if they're sort of thinking about getting into the industry if they you know I, I know you you mentioned some of them you can see the passion in them already but what what type of advice would you give these these kids in in high school that are you know they like the idea um but maybe they're not quite there yet or um it's it's something that's in the back of their mind that they're thinking about i always tell them to try it like try something new or, or expound upon it even more if you're going to college and these kids some of these kids are made to go to college some of these kids just want to work so for the kid that's going to college i i will tell them you know take a an intro to hort take a science class and and just get exposure um join the hort club you don't have to be in horticultural pathway to to join a horticulture club in college but get involved um the kids that are going straight into the industry, I'm like, let's push certification. Come over here. Let's talk about getting you a TCLA in high school. Um, once you've got that, let's talk about your TCLP. How does this distinguish you against just someone else coming in the industry um, for work? Get you your basic plant knowledge. And I told him, I said, it's a fun industry. We're a very good industry. I said, but it's, it's work, just like anything great. Nothing good comes easy. Mm -hmm. So don't expect it to just fall in your lap, get involved, start going to the region meetings, start meeting with these professionals and find yourself in a group of mature individuals rather than being the most mature people in that group. You know, right. I always enjoy being that person that, you know, I'm young, I'm 38, but when I was 20, 22, getting into this industry, I would go seek those people that have been around for a while and listen to them. Because they do have those, they drop those nuggets all the time. And you're like, oh man, I didn't think about that. Or why aren't we doing this? And go to conferences, go to expos, listen to podcasts. So much more is available now than when I first started in the industry. I'm like, there's a world at your fingertips. Like just literally, yeah. Tunes, <laughs> plug in your phone. Like you're, you're, you're sitting in the doctor's office, listen to a podcast, listen to, you know, anything. Um, to try and get that and pique that interest. Great, great. I, I, that, that, that's really good advice. And um, 
you know, being able to make that connection with them. Um, and, and it is a lot different. Um, you know, Internet wasn't around when I was coming up and, you know, you had to do things differently. Um, you know, you had to send a letter to somebody to find out if they had an internship. Now, all that's at your uh, fingertips, as you were saying. Uh, so there's there's really no reason for it. So, so John, does, does your company do any type of internship program in the summer for students or um, do you hire students on if, if they're interested or how do you guys uh, address that? I've mentored a lot of students. Um, I've, there's been a couple that have their own. Um, one in particular, he was a senior, had his own maintenance business. He was ma maintaining lawns in the neighborhood, but he wanted to ask questions. And I was like, come on, I will, I will visit with you all day long. I had a couple come work for me, um, not as interns, but they came work for the summer and I showed them all of the business just because they're wanting to work on a crew and just make summer money. I want them to exposed to all sides of it. So they spent a day with me um, inspecting jobs or making appointments with customers um, down to some of our marketing things. And I am, you know, Bookface and Insta, Instabook and all those things, they're, they're, they're new to me, right? Mm -hmm. My wife, on the other hand, does that. And so connecting with them that way, too, through Reels and TikTok, um, we, we have some on there, like Stripe for Days, like, when I mow my own yard, my wife will, will, will take video of it and set it to music. And uh -huh. it's just the neatest thing to connect to them. But yes, we we try and work with the youth through through mentorship and different youth initiatives. We get some here and there, um, but we don't do formal internships yet. Okay. Well, great. Cool. So, John, we're you know getting ready to wrap things up here. Um, I've really enjoyed the, this conversation here. Um, are there any questions uh, that you wish I had asked um, or anything that you want to uh, bring to light before we um, close out this podcast? Well, well thank you. No, I want to thank you for doing this and helping bring some more uh, content for us. I loved hearing Rochelle's and Kevin's uh, podcast. So thank you for, for bringing the exposure to us uh, and, and our board members. I mean, we serve faithfully and uh, it's a fun we have a fun time doing it. Again, uh, Dr. Jim Mazurkowitz over there at Texas A&M and his tall program, the Texas Agricultural Lifetime Leadership Program, really shaped me. Um, so those in the green industry, they're young leaders. Um, I will be pushing towards y'all and nominating y'all for that program uh, because it, it, it really opens your eyes to agriculture and how big of a play that we have like um, in the in the grand scheme of things. And then to everybody at TNLA, you know, Amy and staff there that's been there and that is no longer there have helped shape me. And so um, they've been really, really a great team to work with. I'm very proud of what the work that they do and what our association does and the ability to work with uh, different associations around the state of Texas and different groups like AgriLife and, and the university systems to help uh, move our industry forward. So thank you for that, too. Great. I, I think that sums it up. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able, had the opportunity to go through the TALL program um, for agents uh, within AgriLife Extension. Uh, Dr. Jim also has a pro program called SAIL. Uh, and I was fortunate to go through that. And that was, again, it, it's like a, a two-year commitment. You meet twice a year for, for two years. And um, uh, the exposure, looking at 
um, academia and extension uh, in a different light um, was was very eye opening. Uh, so it, I'm I'm glad to hear that you uh, went through the program and and you've got you know it sounds like it uh, had a definite positive uh, influence on you. So it did. I always tell people I'm one of Mazurkowitz's kids when when they meet me. Uh, <laughs> but you know that sale program, you know San Antonio Livestock Exposition got yep. involved and, and, and funds that. And I've been thankful to sit in and I'll be again in November at the graduation for this cohort, but love hearing about it, love seeing what he does. And now we have the the youth that are going through the tall sale program now with Dr. Skaggs and taking uh, undergrads and graduate students through the same program and opening up their eyes because, and, and that's that for me, I love when it comes time to start planning a session and where, where I can go, okay, you're going to the valley. Here's some growers that I know down in the valley that do do our goods and trees and sending them that way and sending those suggestions. So being a voice for our industry within that program has been a lot of fun as well, too. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to The Green Report. You can find more information about the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association at www.tnlaonline.org. In this industry, protecting your business starts with protecting your employees. And that's especially important when they're behind the wheel. Motor vehicle crashes are the number one cause of workplace fatalities in Texas, but there are steps you can take to keep your drivers safe. And step one is contacting Texas Mutual Insurance Company. They created the Texas Green Industry Safety Group specifically for businesses like yours. And they can help you train your drivers to buckle up, slow down, avoid distractions, and stay alert on the road. Plus, as a safety group member, you'll save an average of 12% on your workers' comp premium and have the chance to earn an extra dividend every year. If safety and savings sound good to you, get started today by talking to your agent or visiting texasmutual.com slash texasgreenindustry.